Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. I'm your host, Brian Ruka. With me, as always, is Mr. Producer over there, Juice, Juice Box, the Juice Man, Juice Manzada. He's the best producer east of the Mississippi, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have him aboard. Um, thanks a lot, everybody, right off the bat, for um, increasing my Twitter follow. I think I'm up to 24 followers now, so we're making a little bit of progress. Let's keep that going, okay? DD Ruka 617 that's my Twitter handle. Um, you know you can reach the show by email at rightandwrong, all one word, 617, at gmail.com. And we're all over everything else. YouTube, Rumble, uh, Facebook, we got it all, okay? Today's show is going to be a fun one. It's going to be great. We're going to hit some important topics today, okay? We're going to talk about um, the COVID stats and the way they re- they're reported here in Massachusetts. We're going to talk about... The Act Relating to Parental Rights in Education down in Florida. We're going to also talk about a local church that's um, set to be closed in my neighborhood. And we got an especially cringeworthy uh, come on man for you at the end of the show. So get ready, because here we go. We're going to dive right into it. Juice, you up for this? Showtime! Woo! 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 My son's 11 years old, okay? He is in the fifth grade, and he goes to Boston Public Schools. He's been there for six years now, started in kindergarten. Um, We would have loved to put him in a Catholic school or put him somewhere else, but it's just outrageous for, um, you know, tuitions and all that type of stuff. And we are definitely not uh, a rich family by any means, actually. In Joe Biden's America, we'd probably be considered a poor family, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think most of us are, right? Um, so we're at BPS. He's been there for six years. He started in kindergarten. Um, in those six years, they've had he's had two different superintendents in charge of the whole school system. They're due to get a third one at the end of this school year. Um, it's a revolving door. It's horrible. He, the, the kid had an entire year worth of school through a Zoom computer, and he's been wearing a muzzle around for the last two years when he does get to go into school. So not the greatest environment for learning, right? And this is the type of assignment that he comes home with um, that we saw just the other night. The assignment's called the gender reveal assignment. That caught caught our eye right away. We we're like, whoa, what, what is this? So, uh, and this is how it's described. The gender reveal explores themes related to embracing one's true self. But you and I both know that the themes on this are going to be finding someone's fake self, the exact opposite of true. But try and have an 11-year-old figure that one out. What's he going to think? So this whole story, it's all about a boy who's turning 13 years old. He's into sewing right off the bat. That's ha- has him sewing a, a, an outfit for his 13th birthday party. Hey, nothing against a boy who, who knows how to sew. My man over there uh, is a phenomenal sewer, Mr. Juice. 
he uh, sews up stuff routinely for people. I think he just, uh, last time I was I was at his house, he sewed up um, a pair of pants for my wife. So nothing wrong with a boy who knows how to sew, but obviously right off the bat in this story, they're trying to like, like make a statement with the stereotype that they're throwing out there. All right. And then it goes on. The kid's best friend asks if he's um, ready to announce that he's non-binary at his birthday party. I think that's a little bit complex for kids that are in elementary school. But anyways, going on, the kid goes on to tell his nanny that he's non-binary. The nana takes it like, great, love you, awesome. So now it's the day of the party. First of all, I find it a little strange that the kid is upstairs putting on his dress to wear to his party. The whole house or the whole backyard already has every guest in the place out there hanging out partying. So it's, I don't know, that's just strange to me that it's your birthday party, but you're going to stay up in your room getting dressed so you can come in and make a dramatic storybook entrance. So anyways, he comes down and the Nana announces his presence. This is how it's written in the story. Quote, mumbles to himself, no fear. They whispered, under their breath, end quote. So you hear that? The, 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 the book has the character say, no fear, they whispered under their breath. It should be, no fear, he whispered under his breath. Like, what are we teaching these children? It doesn't make sense. You wouldn't understand what I was talking about. Um, the kid then announces that his pronouns going forward will be they, them, and everyone else is supposed to just go along with it. But listen to the reaction that he gets. He looked over and he sees love and pride in Nanny's eyes. And his dad, who he was worried about throughout the whole story, starts the round of applause that the entire party starts to give him. It's like one of those um, slow claps. Like, remember Not Another Teen Movie? The kid's constantly trying to start slow claps at the wrong times. Well, this is one of those storybook slow clap from the dad the whole party starts cheering and applauding what do you think a kid in the fifth grade is going to take away from that do you think they're going to understand the complexities that go into what's going on here or do you think they think they're going to take away i can do this make this claim and i'm going to be treated like a hero everyone's going to cheer for me everyone's going to tell me how great and courageous and, and wonderful i am what kind of kid would not want to seek out that type of attention. That's the message you're planting into these children's heads. And we're going along with it. The adults, the grown-ups in the room, the teachers, you're supposed to be teaching them how to write a sentence, how to do this stuff, but you're, you're feeding them something that's just blatantly wrong. So my son, he's, like I said, 11 years old. The kid still believes in Santa. When he goes to sleep, Oh, when he gets changed into his pajamas, he calls them cozies. My wife's going to kill me for that one because she uh, loves using that word and, and will be calling him, telling the kid to get his cozies on when he's 35. But I get it. I mean, maybe we baby him a little bit, you know. He's, uh, most of his friends have their own cell phones. He doesn't have a cell phone. Like, I try not to watch rated R movies with him, even though I mistakenly um, watch Die Hard with him. And didn't realize how many F-bombs get dropped in that movie. Anyways, he's an innocent 11-year-old fifth grader. You know what I mean? And we live in a world that 
is constantly trying to strip that innocence away from these kids at younger and younger and age ages every year. Can you really like blame us for wanting to preserve that innocence for as long as we can? Um, Juice, what was that Seinfeld episode? Remember that one when um, Jerry had to take the lie detector test? And he was all nervous about it. And he asked George, like, how do I beat it? What do I do? And uh, what's the piece of advice he says? You remember? Jerry, just remember. It's not a lie if you believe it. That's what we're teaching these kids right here today. If somebody's anorexic and they, they go in their doctor, does the doctor encourage them to continue to not eat, to continue to think of themselves as fat? Um, how about an alcoholic? Somebody who's got a drinking problem. They don't believe they have a drinking problem, but we know that they do. So are we supposed to pretend that they don't have a drinking problem? Is that going to help them? Or is that just going to enable them to continue to live in a delusion, to live a delusional life, to live a lie? No, we don't do that to those people. We try to help them, right? Because at the end of the day, the reason people feel like this is because what's going on inside their heads I'm not going to lie. We can't lie about it. And when it comes to public policy and when it comes to teaching our children, we have to advocate for the truth. We can't use that example of trying to worry about somebody's feelings being hurt because of speaking the truth, right? So I think as adults, we can kind of, we understand the, the differences between when it's a time to, you know, speak the truth and when there's a time to consider somebody's feelings. Kids they're not mature enough to understand that yet. They're not at that point, okay? But this story, it doesn't even attempt to teach that, right? I'd be a little bit more okay with it if it tried to teach like, oh, so-and-so feels like they're a girl, and and we're not going to make them make fun of them for that. We're not going to make them feel different for that. But I don't want them to teach my kid that, oh, no, just because they say that, now they are a girl, and you need to call them that. So the story's not attempting to try to teach them how to be tactful when it comes to this. It's just teaching them how to, how to lie and how to not believe the truth. I've been reading the Gospels, and one of the biggest themes, or I think the biggest theme that Jesus talks about throughout all four Gospels is he teaches truth, right? Simple truth, but that's not always easy to hear, right? That's why people hate him. That's why the, the Pharisees, the, the, the people in charge, they hate him. They don't want to do, they don't want anything to do with him. They, in fact, end up killing him because he speaks the truth. He, he claims to be truth, right? And he comes and he, and he, he, that's what he preaches. But obviously we know that that's not always easy to hear. It's, it's kind of crazy because what separates us from every other living being on this earth? Emotions, right? Feelings, that ability to have that, that's what makes us human. But unfortunately, it's also what makes it very hard for us to accept the truth. It's hard for us to admit that because we're filled with all these different feelings and emotions. We're filled with pride, um, jealousy, anger, um, greed. So all these things come into play when we're dealing with certain issues. So we feel we might feel like that. Um, it's difficult for a parent to deal with a child who, who might actually believe that, but we have to speak the truth to that child still. The parent has to be strong enough to believe in the truth and, and to tell that child what is true 
as difficult as that might be. I'm not claiming that it's easy. And you know what? That's one of the great themes, too, from from Jesus' teaching. He never promises that speaking the truth to people is going to be easy. In fact, it's it's the a- absolute opposite of easy, and he proves it. This whole like situation really got me thinking. It got me thinking about um, a passage in the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verse 42. And I'm going to paraphrase, but... Um, it basically says that many people believed in him, referring to Jesus, but they didn't openly acknowledge it because they were afraid that they'd be kicked out of the synagogue. It's so relatable to the, to a situation like this, right? Nobody wants to be the person to speak up and say it in the fifth grade class here out of all of us parents, like, hey, this is wrong. We should not be teaching this because we want to still remain in the public square. We, we want to hold our status, our social status in the public square, right? We don't want to be kicked out of the Facebook group. We don't want to be blacklisted in the neighborhood because we're not affirming um, the delusion that a, a boy can change to a girl and a girl can change to a boy. Uh, and the sad thing is, is I'd say most reasonable people, probably you know, 90% of the class or the parents at the school understand this and they know the same thing. They believe the same thing that that I'm saying right here, but they're afraid to say it publicly, right? Our kids are counting on us to speak that truth, right? Our kids are counting on us to teach them the truth. We were their first teachers, and we're going to be the most important teacher that they have in their entire life. Don't give away that responsibility that we have as parents, the responsibility to speak right over wrong. Now let's get to the rest of the stories that we have on tap for today. Juice? Let's take it away, brother. Okay, so this story here is from Boston.com. This is the headline. It says, here's why the number of reported COVID-19 deaths in Massachusetts will drop by 3,700 Monday. Wait, what? Huh? Anybody hear about this one? Doesn't seem to be getting the type of backlash I think it should be getting. So the COVID numbers, the way they're reported... Right, And one of the things that I love to talk about, I love to say, is numbers can be made to say whatever you need them to say, right? Stats can be manipulated. And COVID should be a smack in the face for everybody to realize how that's happened and, and what they did with those. So here in Massachusetts, um, it said the public, uh, the Department of Public Health, right? They, The way they would count um, COVID deaths is different than another state or what they might do nationally, there was no uniformed way to count this, okay? Which is mind-boggling by itself. And there wasn't, they didn't decide what the uniform way to count was going to be until the end of 2021. The CDC did not come up with a recommended uniform standard for counting COVID deaths until the end of 2021. What is like like that's infuriating. They've been dealing with this 15 days to slow the spread for the past 2 years. Muzzles everywhere you go, right? And these people can't figure out a way to uniformly let us know or track how many people are dying from this. Each state got to use their own way to do it, their own stats. It's insane. 
I don't hear anybody or, or very few people complaining about that. And you know what? This report came out at a perfect time, right? Everyone's preoccupied with the Ukraine, Russia. Everybody on Facebook has all of a sudden changed their uh, profile to the Ukraine flag. We stand with them, all that stuff. So nobody really notices the, you know, sleight of hand that the COVID thing did right here. The COVID reporting did for us. So here in Massachusetts, they have been counting deaths from COVID for anybody that had it when they died, right? So if you actually tested positive, you had it while you were dead, you'd be counted as COVID death. They would also go back. Anybody that was diagnosed within 60, 60 days of having COVID would also be considered a COVID death. Whether they had it, not even needing to have it at the time of death. The new standard that's going to be used or recommended to be used nationally in Massachusetts is going to adopt it instead of 60 days out. It's anybody who had COVID within the last 30 days before dying. You know, to me, that still shouldn't be counted either. And it, it should determine, you know, did you die from COVID? Yes or no. Like, I think it's still ridiculous that somebody dies in a car accident but happen to have COVID, they're going to put them down as a COVID death, right? Not if somebody like died literally from COVID. They're going to go from 60 days out down to 30. And that's where we get that discrepancy with the numbers. So now removing all those people they counted as COVID deaths, that's going to drop off 3,700 listed COVID deaths here in Massachusetts. I'd love to see what that looks like nationally. I'd love to see what that looks like specifically in all the blue states. I mean, people were saying it right off the bat. We all knew it right off the bat. These hospitals, they're being incentivized to list people as COVID deaths because they were getting grant money. They were getting federal funds. And the Democrats absolutely used COVID to further their political careers and to gain more power over us. And we sat back and we let them do it. We were okay with it. This should show everybody Look at this stuff now. Don't let them do that again. Hold them accountable for doing this to us. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, you want you want a little something else on top of that? So in this story, it also mentions that from March 2020 to April of 21, Massachusetts was counting anybody who was ever diagnosed with COVID as a COVID death. So you could have... You could have COVID in July of 2020. You could die in February of 2021 from a fall off of a bridge. They would count you as a COVID death. That's what follow the science was. That's what look at the numbers was. And we fell for it. We went along with it. We should all be ashamed that we let this happen. If these, This is a small story too. I'd love to see what else we can find out if we keep peeling back that onion. So please, don't continue to fall for this stuff. And you need to let your friends know about that too. Because those who just watch CNN in their local news, they're barely going to hear about this. We need to share this story around on Facebook. And you need to talk about this. 
Bring it up at your family party, please. All right, let's go to the next one, Juice. All right, so in Florida recently, they just passed a bill down there that uh, you may or may not have heard of. The bill was titled, An Act Relating to Parental Rights in Education. You might be more familiar with it as... Florida's uh, Don't Say Gay Bill. Don't Say Gay Bill. The Don't Say Gay Bill. Don't Say Gay Bill is now on... Yep, that one. That's by design. They did that on purpose. Do you want to know what really is in the bill? Do you need a copy of the text? Because we'll pin that on the show notes too, okay? That you can you can look it up yourself. This bill prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in the classrooms from kindergarten to the third grade. So you listen to the to the opening story that I gave you. You all realize that I think it's a little ridiculous that my fifth grade child is being taught stories that have to do with gender identity, non-binary, sexual orientation. Never mind what kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third graders should be taught. Are you kidding me? Is that my, I don't know if that's my catchphrase, Juice. I, I seem to be saying, are you kidding me a lot? Well, at least it's not society again, like Bass would tell you, but... Anyways, yeah, I mean, this is crazy. Like, why do we need to be teaching this to somebody who's in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade? It's too complex for minds like that to understand. These are children. They do not need to be confused at a time where their minds need to be formed and need to be taught and need to be groomed. Because what this is doing and what the left is trying to do They're trying to groom their minds into believing a a specific ideology that the left lives by. They want to make these kids believe the left-wing narrative from the first day they go to government schools. And they don't care what the parents think about it. They think they know what's better for your kids than what you do. Okay? They think that. I know in my school system, we're about to get the third superintendent in six years, do you really want a leadership like that teaching our children? They can't even decide who leads their school, right? They can't decide what direction they want to go in, but they're going to know what's better for my kids than me? Get out of here with that. Take a listen to this propaganda you're about to hear from the left. This is the scare tactic that they want to get out there for someone who just sees a headline or someone who might see a a 30-second clip on their news channel, right? of what this is going to be about. Take a listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the reason is that it uh, tells uh, youth uh, who are different or whose families are different that uh, there's something wrong with them out of the gate. And I do think that contributes to the shocking levels of uh, suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts uh, among LGBTQ youth. You know, uh, Chastin, my husband, pointed out that, you know, if, if our kids someday, uh, uh, some Monday morning come into class and, and, and uh, you know, Kids are, are sitting around, the teacher's got the uh, morning circle talking about how everybody's weekends went, and one of them says, I yeah. had the best weekend with my dads. Is a teacher supposed to say, no, we don't talk about that here? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if it's a, at any age where it's appropriate to talk about uh, 
you know, a, a kid's mom and dad, then it should be appropriate to talk about a kid's mom and mom or dad and dad or whatever family structures we live with. That's part of what it means to be pro-family is to be pro-every family. A bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need, is discriminatory. It's uh, a form of bullying. Um, It is horrific. The governor heard our concerns and agreed to meet with me and LGBTQ plus members of our senior team in Florida to discuss ways to address them. Chapek also said Disney is signing a human rights campaign petition against such bills that are being proposed across the country and is also donating $5 million to work to protect the LGBTQ plus community. So Mayor Pete is completely wrong, has nothing to do with what he just told you it did. He says that um, his kid wouldn't be able to come in after a weekend and say, I had the best weekend ever with my dad's at the park doing blah, 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 whatever. Nope. That kid could absolutely say that if they want. What this bill is going to prohibit is the teacher then taking that and going into an in-depth conversation about what it means for a child to have two dads or for what's going on in that child's house, right? I don't think you really go in-depth with um, what's going on in a straight house, so why should you go into details about what's going on in a gay house or a lesbian house? My kid could say the same thing, and they're not going to go, oh, yeah, well, you went to the park with your mom and dad? Um, okay, well, what did you guys do? If this kid says, if if Pete's kid says that, someone might maybe say, oh, you have two dads? And they could simply say, yes, I do. And that kid's parents would be responsible for explaining what that is to him or to her, okay? It's not the teacher's responsibility. It's not the child who has the gay or lesbian parent's responsibility to explain what it is. That is for the parent, not for the school system. Okay? How about the other one there? Saki, trying to tell you that it's a form of discrimination, form of bullying these kids. How's anybody bullying someone? And this bill is preventing people from being taught what sexual orientation is, from being taught what identifying by a gender is. That, I'm sorry, is not an agreed-upon, uniformly standard thing to teach. It's agreed upon that 2 plus 2 equals 4. We can teach that. We can teach how to write a sentence. We can teach verbs, adjectives. We can teach geography. That stuff is not subjective. Gender ideology, sexual orientation, those things are subjective, okay? Some people have religion that comes into play on it. Those things are subjective. It's not a fact. So we can't be teaching that to children that need to know right and wrong. Bullying. Saki wants to talk about bullying. How about the other one there? The Florida, uh, Florida, the Disney CEO. Did he get bullied into having a comment about this? And then further bullied into having to say that his first comment wasn't good enough, so he needs to go further with it? Who's bullying who here? Who's forcing what on who? And who's on first? I don't know. How about we listen to, hopefully, our 2024 um, Republican nominee, the great Governor Ron DeSantis. Listen to this. His, His take on it. It's phenomenal. 
So here's what I can tell you. Uh, in the state of Florida, uh, we are not going to allow them to inject transgenderism into kindergarten. First graders shouldn't have uh, woke gender ideology imposed in their curriculums. And that is what we're standing for, because we're standing for the kids and we're standing for the parents. Uh, and I can tell you this, there, the chance that I am going to back down from my commitment to students and back down from my commitment to parents' rights yeah. simply because of fraudulent media narratives or pressure from woke corporations, the chances of that are zero. Yeah. And when you have companies that have made a fortune off being family friendly and catering to families and young kids, you know, they should understand that parents of young kids do not want this injected into their kids' kindergarten classroom. Uh, they do not want their first graders to go and be told that they can choose an opposite gender. That is not appropriate for those kids. And so if you're family friendly, understand uh, the parents who are actually raising families want to have their rights respected. And I also think that you have companies like a Disney that are gonna say and criticize parents' rights, they're gonna criticize the fact uh, that we don't want transgenderism in kindergarten and first grade classrooms. If that's the hill that they're gonna die on, then how do they possibly explain lining their pockets with their relationship from the Communist Party of China? And so in Florida, our policy is going to be based on the best interest of Florida citizens, not on the musing of local corporations. That guy's amazing. He is the best. I really pray that Trump gets out of the way and lets him take that nomination for 2024, because that's the guy. That's him right there. And you notice there at the end how he puts it out there about the hypocrisy that we have from the left and all these woke corporations like Disney, who want to be all up in arms over a bill like this in the state of Florida, have no problem with what's going on in China. Gosh, something wrong here. They have no problem. They have a Disney out there, don't they? They have a park out there. They cater to the Chinese government, don't they? They sell to them. They sell to their people. Why don't they have a problem with the fact that China has Muslims and in in internment camps they don't have a problem with that there's been how many here um about 35 40 40 countries around the world have uh called on china to respect human rights because they know it's not being followed there these camps they they their alleged abuses involve rape torture um it's been called genocide but disney has no problem spending money there. They don't speak out against China because how much money are they bringing in from the Chinese market? But they have a problem with a bill in Florida that doesn't allow you to tell a child that they can change their sex while he's in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. Give me a break here. DeSantis is great. That clip was from the Rubin Report. Um, And I don't know about you, but Dave Rubin... Is he uh, the guy from Rudy or what? Like, I, I can't tell on that one. I just think about it every time. All right, let's get to the next one. All right, so this next story is one that kind of hits close to home for me. It's pretty personal. Where I live 
there actually the area um, in Boston here, there is a Catholic church like every mile away from each other, right? So the section of Dorchester that I live in, there happens to be two churches, St. Anne's and St. Brandon's, right? You can walk between the two of them. They combined the parishes um, a few years ago because they weren't making any money. It was costing more money to keep these churches open and uh, in functioning as separate parishes. So they combined them in order to try to save the parishes. That was back in 2018. Um, and that at that point, this church, St. Brendan's, was going to be closed. But the community rallied and um, fought to keep it open. So now, fast forward to 2022, and they're about to close the St. Brendan's Church. They're about to close it for all the same reasons they're about to close it back in 2018. The attendance is down. Participation isn't there. The cost to maintain the building is too much. Um, it just it is not feasible when there's another option right down the street. And this news, needless to say, has been met with horrible backlash within the community. Now, I get it, and I understand that people are passionate about it, but people are spending their energy and their time attacking the priest who's here and having to deal with this. It's not his decision. This guy was put here, and I'm sure it doesn't matter to him one way or another. He's asked to to perform a job. It's It's black and white. If the place is costing more money to keep it open, why would you do that when you have another option? But people are ruthless to this poor guy. I hear people like like people talking about him, saying stuff you would never want to say. And this is a, a priest. Like, show some respect, okay? And then you start to think, why do people in, the, in that community, why do people in this community want to keep that place open so badly? They want to keep it open for God's glory or they want to keep it open for their own glory? They want to keep it open for selfish reasons, or do they want to keep it open because they truly believe in God's message? They want to keep it open because they want to have their kid get married from that church. They want to have a baptism at that church. That's why. It's completely, utterly selfish reasons. And again, I understand. I get it. It would be nice to be able to go to the church that you went to as a child with your own family or with your grandkids one day, right? But you also need to look in the mirror a little bit. What did we talk about earlier in the show? What's one of the themes of this entire show? Truth, right? The truth is difficult. Look in the mirror and wonder why this community, why this church is not as vibrant as it once, as it once was. It's no one else's fault, right? It's our own. We have not been involved. And I say we because I haven't gone to church for 10 years up until nine months ago, you know? So I'm part of the problem when it comes to these things. But all the people that want to try to save it, there's a, there's a Catholic school that's right there at that church too. So if you send your kid to that Catholic school, are you there every Sunday at church? Or are you at the, at the rink down the street at a hockey game or at a dance recital? Where does church and prayer fall on your list of priorities? It's typically the last thing that we focus on. I don't understand why now... It's so important to keep this place open. They did the same fight back in 2018, kept it open because people complained, people showed up and went. As soon as it was left open, nobody went again. Numbers fell off. It's sad. 
it's not something to be happy about, but it's also a reality. This is a referendum on the society we're in today. This is a referendum on the community that we're in, okay? Because we don't prioritize it. We don't hold anybody accountable anymore. We want to point out everybody else's flaws, but not look at our own. It's tough to do. It really is. So like, I've been seeing stuff posted online, people on Facebook, all this all this stuff, and all these different ideas of what what people in the community can do to help try to save this place, right? And a suggestion that I saw was uh, someone said, mass has to be less negative with 16 exclamation points. People are being turned away. Make mass a meaningful, happy experience. No one wants to be yelled at or belittled. That right there, in a nutshell, is what is wrong with people today. That right there is the reason nobody goes anymore, right? That right there is the attitude that is wrong with this world that we live in right now. And that's why people are walking away from the faith. That's why people are walking away from church. You do go to church to accept responsibility for the things you've done wrong. You do go right off the bat. You admit, you say, I admit that I have sinned and I'm here to help fix that. But you and your broken ego have to take out from that. You have to take a lesson from Jesus, a homily from the priest about us as individuals, as humans, not being perfect, as being belittled and as being yelled at. It's not that difficult. We don't have to make it any more difficult than it is. Look at the name of this show. Things are either right or they're wrong. You can take it however you'd like, but if something is told you, something's taught, this is the way you're supposed to do it, this is what Jesus would want you to do, this is what Jesus taught, then that's the way you should strive to do it. You're not going to achieve that. Most of the times you're, you're going to fail trying to do that, but the point is you're supposed to try to do it, and you're supposed to succeed when you succeed. You're going to succeed at times, but you're not going to succeed at it all the time. You're going to fail, and you go to church to repent. You go to church to ask for the strength to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus wants us to do. So, of course, you should be going to church, and, and you need to know how to fix the flaws that we have. So, that that's like been such an eye-opener to me since coming back to church and, and recommitting to this, is the fact that it's all about accountability, discipline, responsibility, and you know what? We're adults, but to Jesus, to God, we're children. Look at all the, all the stories. Like we, I used to think of it as talking to children, God's children, and at times, of course, Jesus preached to children. But he considers us. I'm 37 years old. I'm, I'm one of his ch- children. I'm a child of God. The point of that is that we don't have all the answers. We don't understand. We don't comprehend So it's pretty arrogant of us to think that we do know and that we have all the answers. There's something else that I saw online where somebody said, like, Jesus was preaching acceptance. He welcomed back people who stayed. The Lord didn't sit in his house with his 12 friends and say, well, I guess it's just us. Yeah, of course he didn't. He went out and he preached. He talked. He preached the truth, right? If you didn't want to hear the truth, then you wouldn't go see him preach. You know where to find Jesus. You know where he is. He's always welcoming. The door's open for you. Go in and accept him. And you know what? That's our role as Christians 
and as a community is to encourage our fellow Christians and Catholics to go to church, to come and experience Jesus for ourselves and the Lord. Something else in there in, in these things that I've been seeing was talking about that the Catholic church is going to end up abandoning a neighborhood of Catholics here if they close this church. And I'd flip the script on that one. And I think people, again, look in the mirror and ask yourself, did a neighborhood of Catholics abandon the church? Because I think that's more what happened. Whoa. Now it's time to accept the responsibility for not keeping up your faith and not spreading your faith. The great thing about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, is even though this is happening, we still have a chance to make right with God. We still have a chance to actively bring our friends with us. We still have a chance to be accepted by God. So just because a church closes does not mean your faith needs to end. The building doesn't matter. It's the message, and it's what's above. It's who made us. That's the important thing. Buildings can come and go. Priests come and go. People in the community come and go. But God is constant. Okay, so for our Come On Man segment of the day, we got a real doozy for you, okay? Um, This is going to be a story about a woman named um, Tanya Turner. She lives in Kentucky, and she's a part of... um, the Apple Apple Shop um, community group, or something like that, however you say it. Um, but it's it, Appalachia Mountains, I think, is um, you know the area they're in. There, there looks like a rural community in Kentucky, but um, it's all about like they have a youth um, work group. They got community development. We'll share a link to the to their website here. Um, but one thing you will notice is. They've scrubbed all the material from Tanya Turner um, from their website. So you can find something that she did, um, and I'm assuming this video that we're about to play, but it's unavailable to click on now. But they're an arts group, media group, um, and they, they, like I said, they work with the community, work with kids to teach them things. And apparently um, this video, the the audio we're going to play for you is of Tanya Turner and this was for children, so listen to what she has to say. You know, like, get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages. All ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions, and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? That's your nose. Touch your nose. Show Aunt T. You can touch your nose. But my sister's not saying that when they're tugging at their penis, right? But it feels good, right? We have to learn ways to talk to young people about this so that they know how to explore their body consensually so that it's not in public, right? (laughs) We don't want people exploring their bodies in public. That's not consensual. But exploring your body at any age, grandmas, grandpas, all of us. In the last couple years, I've worked with the school systems um, and my job definitely was not to teach sex ed, but I uh, explored constantly and tried to figure out ways that I could work this in somehow. Like, I'm in the school systems now. I have an end. Surely I can figure this out. Wow. Yep. You heard that correctly. How this lady isn't behind bars is appalling to me. 
Did you hear some of that? Masturbation for all ages? Grandmas, grandpas, babies? Get out of here. Come on, man. What is this lady doing? And she's proud of that. Why should, like, like she's openly discussing that. She's on a video, big smile, talking about how wonderful masturbation is and how kids of all ages need to know about it. Get out of here. I wouldn't let you, I wouldn't let you anywhere near my kids. And the people who sent kids to that camp or anybody who watched videos like that, they should be contacting the authorities in Kentucky. This lady is crazy. But that's accepted. Why Why is that accepted on the left? Where is the outrage? How about the second clip that, that it cut to? Where she's talking, um, I was in the school systems, and it definitely wasn't to teach sex ed, but I figured out how to work that in anyways. That's in the public school systems. Look at what was in the public school system here in Boston. Then you see what's going into the public school systems there in Kentucky. And look around all over the country. This stuff is happening, people. It really hit home for me when I saw that story that my son came home with yesterday. I've heard about stuff like this. I follow conservative news. So I've, I've known about stuff like this for a while. But it's never really felt real until now. You can watch a video like that and hear her with her drawl and her little backwards talking like that and think that she's just a hillbilly. And that's what I would think. You know, oh, that's not coming up here, though. You know, whatever. Those people are weird. But look, that's coming here, too. Okay? So you got to realize this stuff, people. We got to keep our eyes open for it. And we got to talk about how wrong it is. We have to reach those people in our lives, those friends in our lives, the family members in our lives that are kind of neutral about this stuff. And we have to let them hear stuff like that. We need to show them stuff like that because that's what's going to get them off the bench and into this game, okay? You guys are all here. We're here already. But we need to bring more people in, okay? Because we know what's right and we know what's wrong in teaching little kids about masturbation is wrong. That lady is wrong. And we need to tell her that. We need more people to tell her that. We need people like her to be ashamed to speak like that in public. Not to have the confidence to think that she's doing something good when she's talking like that. We need to push back on the sexualization of our children. It needs to stop. And Tanya Turner, you have earned yourself one big fat. Come on, man. And that's all the stories we have for you today. Once again, I'd like to thank the best producer in the world over there, Mr. Juicebox, getting all these clips together for us, putting the show together, making things sound awesome. Please get the stuff out there for us. Spread this around. Share it on your social media networks. Like and share our page, okay? Send it to a friend. Please, please, please help us grow this audience. This stuff is important, and we need you to help us. We need you to help get it out there. So until next week, my name is Brian Ruka, and this has been 
the Right and Wrong Show. Thanks for having me. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong.